What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. It's your boy, Mac. Joining me today in place of Corey Walsh, my typical co-host is Spencer Davies of BasketballNews.com. What's going on, Spencer? What's happening, Mac? Glad to be here, man. Man, this is a this is probably the slowest time of the season. <laughs> it's the break for a reason. Uh, you've been enjoying the all-star break at all, getting any last minute work done, or have you actually been able to chill out? You know, uh, I actually did write a couple things over the break here, and I'm finishing another one of my features. Uh, it's actually going to be on uh, Spurs rookie Dominic Barlow, uh, so be on the lookout for that. But other other than, you know, just writing and, and trying to enjoy a little bit of time to myself, you know, supporting my little brother on his hoops team, uh, his high school hoops team, Cuyahoga Heights. They start the playoffs this weekend. Uh, that's been just an absolute blast, probably the most fun I've ever had um, around the sport of basketball. And, uh, you know, that hanging out with friends, you know, doing what typical people do. Hopefully everybody in Salt Lake City had a good time over All-Star Weekend. But, you know, it's going to be time to get back to business on Thursday. I hope so. I think the Cavs mean business. Uh, there was a couple of transactions that were, that were made that we'll talk about here down the line. But you recently pinned a piece on Cavaliers guard Karis LeVert and how fluid his role has been with the team this season. It's a fan, uh, fantastic read, by the way. Uh, if you guys haven't read it go ahead and do so i'll drop a link to it in the description uh but prior to the season uh lavert was seen as a pretty effective facilitator as the primary ball handler in efficient isolation score due to his knack for mid-range pull-ups uh for people out there who may not have had the opportunity to take a look at that article just yet can you tell us a little bit about what you came away with after speaking with lavert one-on-one man you know i just think uh it's just the ultimate example of sacrifice i know that's kind of an overused term in in sports a little bit today but seriously i mean this guy comes in he is somebody that needs the ball in his hands to to be an effective scorer right um and the Cavs kind of took that away from him a little bit uh once everybody got healthy now you know at the start of the season darius garland gets his eye poked in and, you know, Karis has to <sighs> switch to that right off the <laughs> bat with with Donovan Mitchell. And they had a good thing going those first, you know, nine, ten games, whatever it was before DG came back. I mean, do you remember? I mean, Karis LeVert dropped 40 in the game against Boston on the road in overtime uh, when Donovan Mitchell did the same thing. Um, you know, I think the one place where where Karis has been absolutely consistent and uh, at his best is you know dropping passes in the pocket to some of these rolling bigs and driving to the hoop and, and doing these little dump offs him and Jared Allen have great chemistry he was telling me he was like man you know we used to do that in Brooklyn all the time and you know it's kind of translated here to Cleveland but again like going back to the sacrifice part once everybody's healthy what can you do to help the team win so JB Bickerstaff Kobe Altman have asked a lot of him man they've asked him to use his length defensively 
uh, find deflections, get loose balls, stuff that, you know, things that, that he hasn't done as his primary role before in the past. Now, he's always had that in the bag, but this is his primary role now, and the secondary part is the scoring. The secondary part is, you know, going out and getting buckets because you have Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland on the floor with you. It's a, it's a really tough adjustment for someone who has been able to, to kind of carry the offensive load, so to speak, especially pre-KD and Kyrie in Brooklyn uh, when he was taking, you know, 17, 18 shots a game, whatever it may be. I don't have the stats on hand, but um, he had a lot, you know, high usage. This year, his usage is as little as it's been since his rookie year as a net. So uh, that part, I think a lot of people don't understand how tough uh, of, uh, of, you know, getting used to is for him. Uh, but I think that behind the scenes, everybody loves it because he is literally, and it's in a contract year, mind you. He's got an expiring $18.8 million deal. Usually guys would be like, oh, ho, oh, got to get mine. This happened. Yeah. I got to get mine. I got to get paid. This guy is going out here and doing the best for the team that he can do. And he's really buying in to what they're preaching. I absolutely love the mindset that he had, despite some of the, the backlash that he's received from fans uh, this season in particular. I know that this is by, by his standards, it may not seem like the, the best a uh, year that Karis LeVert could ever have had, especially like you mentioned in a contract year. Um, and with the cloud of possibly being traded over his head up until that, uh, up until the deadline. And I'm sure that as much as these guys like to downplay it, I'm sure that just the human side of it, that's got to exist in the back. Of he told mind. me that he told me that he was like, dude, like the last two years I've had to be on the move in the middle of the season. You know, it's nice to kind of be able to just hang out here and, you know, like, you know, finish the season out with the guys that I started the camp with. And, you know, this is the first time he's done this in a while. You know, even even going back to training camp, he had to have a full healthy training camp uh, for a couple of years either. So, you know, it's kind of been a hectic way for him to, to live uh, his basketball life, so to speak, and his real life. You know, like it, just everything that comes with it. Um, but but yeah, he even told me he was like, man, you know, it's it's really hectic, to be honest. Like uh, so he was you know, there's a little sense of relief when he didn't get moved at the deadline. And, you know, going back to the point that I was making earlier about sacrifice, uh, not only, you know, in the role of, of not being the primary scorer, so to speak, but he's been playing different positions, man. He's, he's gone out there as the one. He's gone out there as the two, uh, the three with both DG and Donovan Mitchell on the floor. Um, the guy that has to lead the bench uh, as a point guard, like I was saying, before Ricky Rubio came back. And now that's an adjustment because Ricky's going to be <laughs> handling the ball and he's going to have to be playing off the ball. Uh, and then he Absolutely. told me, he's like, dude, I- I've never played the four in my life. And you saw some of those lineups. They did four guards in Jared Allen or four guards in, in Evan Mobley. I think it was uh, Rubio, Garland, uh, Mitchell, Levert, who are all out there at the same time. I think they did that against Philly. I might be wrong. Uh, but that part right there, again just kind of shows what he's willing to do. And I, I, I hate, I hate the box score watchers. It really, it really just hurts when Ugh, people don't too. watch the games and make these conclusions. And that's just, that's not just fans. That's some people that, you know, are in, are in you know, the profession that I'm in. Uh, so like, you know, you take the time to actually appreciate what's actually going on. And yeah, I mean, he'll even tell you like, he's not having his best shooting season, but we, I think what it was really interesting that he told me was the volume that he's taking is nowhere near what he's been having in the past. So that kind of affects 
what the percentages look like. If you're taking one or two mid-rangers a game and you miss both of them, and that like happens over time, then yeah, the percentages aren't going to look great. Um, you know, he's having a, a, a solid year as a catch shooter, something that he wasn't really, you know, known to have, um, at least in a consistent basis, the way that he's, you know, drilled him, uh, made a couple of big ones the last couple of games. Um, you know, the, the pull-up mid-ranger is slightly trying to come back, but it, it's still just not there. He's, he's a rhythm guy. He's a rhythm guy. And if you don't have that rhythm, then what can you do to affect the game that doesn't come in the box score? Deflections getting over screens so that guys in the paint don't have to come and get strained. You know, there there's all sorts of ways, get a loose ball. There's all sorts of ways to affect the game and make winning plays. And I think for the most part this season, he's done it. I think so too. A lot of what you see him do uh, will not necessarily show up in the traditional box score stats. It's a lot of hustle stats that he's out there providing. And a lot of people, I don't understand this. They, they want to harp on uh, harp on the shooting percentages, when you take a look again at that volume, he is averaging, I believe, the second fewest attempts that he's had since his second season in the league. Um, he's very much a rhythm guy in in terms of shooting, and it's just an accumulatory effect. If you're allowing this guy, this guy's taking maybe one to two middies a game, and that stacks up. People who box score watch are not going to understand that this guy is doing a lot of different things out on the court. Some of the dump off passes that he's had are very like highlight worthy. High by where the dumps all dump offs to Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Yeah, no question. And, you know, I don't know if you you caught this in the article, but over the last three games, he's had 11 total field goal attempts. 11. Dude, like that's the least he's had in a three game stretch in five years. Literally, look, that's ridiculous. That (laughs) is a long time. That is a long time, Mac. And, uh, I mean, yet. When you watch the Sixers game, I know they came up short. That's the last one I have really you know, collected in the memory because of all the all-star festivities. But when you look at that Sixers game, he's making a couple of hustle plays. He's making, you know, I, there was a, a rebound that he went and chased down, tipped it to himself and found Lamar in transition, right? Um, there's a, a loose ball he goes to go and grab. Uh, you know, he's, he's crashing the glass, so to speak. You know, like, um, you know, putting pressure on a ball handler at midcourt. I can't remember who it was. I think it was James Harden. Can't remember. I know Okoro was guarding him most of the time, but still like look for those little nuances in a game and you'll gain more of appreciation for what he's doing at the moment. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And when he started out the season, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie here. I was among the fans who thought that I believe that he should have come off the bench to start the season, but I understand why he was charted out there at the three, just because they felt that what he was able to bring to the table in terms of spacing, as opposed to some of the other options that Cleveland had available uh, to begin the season in Isaac Okoro or Dean Wade, who's just come back recently, who's uh, added a lot uh, despite shooting percentages, in my opinion as well, but having Kara start the season out there, kind of still trying to figure out what his actual role is, um, was definitely something that I'm sure that he had to work his way into and then transitioning back to a reserve role. And then on top of that, like you alluded to earlier, the return of Ricky Rubio added like a huge element uh, of uh, transition for him. Ever-changing, man. It's ever-changing. It's like the guy's only got two arms, but he's getting pulled in eight different ways. Like that, that is a tough, That is a tough thing to get used to and to try and, you know – uh, except 
And uh, he's done it. And I think, you know, the coaching staff really appreciates it. I feel like JB Bickerstaff, you know, points him. The, the two guys he talks about the most, I feel like, at least recently, has been, you know, Evan Mobley and him. And, you know, a lot of people are probably like, why is he talking about Karis LeVert? Probably because, you know, the strength of the team is the team, as he says. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if he's doing that, then then he's doing something right. Exactly. When you just when you're taking an overall look at the season that he has had, um, and then you take into account some of the needs of this uh, current Cavaliers roster, including the spacing out on the perimeter and uh, proven depth at the five, from your perspective, did the Cavs make the right call on holding on to the verdict? Do you honestly believe he could have been moved to bring in a piece who quote unquote fit better? Um, I think the only fits that would have made sense for me um, is the, you know, the Nets have a surplus of three and T wings. Like, I think they have <laughs> like five nice or six of them. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, if they were able to, you know, go and nab, you know, Royce O'Neal, who's had, you know, history with Donovan Mitchell and is one of his best friends, uh, that could have made a lot of sense. You know, Dorian Finney Smith has long been, uh, my, you know, guy that I have kind of a, uh, an infatuation with uh, as far as being one of my favorite basketball players that doesn't get the appreciation that he deserves. Um, I've always been a fan of him, you know, in Dallas or whatever. And then he got, you know, moved to Brooklyn in the the Kyrie deal, obviously. But um, I I think uh, one of those two would have made a lot of sense. But again, I mean, you're trying to give yourself flexibility too in the summertime. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that we're going to get onto the subject, but, you know, they hung on to Karis, they bring in Danny Green and, you know, uh, Kevin Love gets bought out in the middle of all that. So um, it's uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with this rotation. Um, and if they just stick with it, if they just stick with the nine guys that are out there, because, you know, you look at Philly and I had a lot of people texting me about this with JB because I've been adamant defender of JB the entire <laughs> season. Um, I think, you know, fire the head coach is one of the most overrated and frankly stupid uh, uh, you know, tropes that they can possibly have as fans uh, because, you know, I, you look at 30 teams in the league, no, everyone wants to fire their coach after a loss. It's hysterical. Um, but for real, though, uh, with his rotations, um, if he sticks with what got him to that winning streak and what got the Cavs to that winning streak, I think they're going to be in a good place. Now you add Danny Green into the mix, someone's going to lose out, right? Is it going to be Jetty Osmond? Is it going to be... You know, uh, I know Lamar Stevens wasn't in the rotation. Is Dean Wade going to, you know, have minutes chopped down? Who's going to, you know, how do you implement that piece without affecting, you know, that kind of good thing that you had going? And, and I think it's also something to be said, too, that, you know, they have had a softer schedule. It's okay to say that. And they're going to have a softer schedule the rest of the way, which kind of helps, actually. Um, so we'll see how JB you know, kind of figures out who he wants to play with who. Uh, I think – Trimming down the minutes can be something that also um, could come into play. We'll see, you know, if, if JB, you know, doesn't play these guys 37, 38 minutes a night uh, the rest of the way, especially, you know, in blowout, you know, games when they're on the road. I forget which team they were playing, but they were up by like 20, 25. And uh, guys were Washington in until the three. It, <laughs> it, it might have been the Washington I know game, Jarrett was out there a while in that one. There were – there were starters out there with three minutes left and they were up by uh yeah like 20 points or something like that um i I feel like you can scale back a little bit maybe at the five minute mark maybe at the six minute mark on that um but i'm not a head coach so i'm not here to you know 
uh, say who who shouldn't do what. So, but I, I just thought, you know, those are just ways that, that you can nitpick, I think. But in, overall, I mean, where they're at, at at the trade deadline, if if you're not happy with this, I, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, they have done a lot of good, as he said, back at practice, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. And, and that, you know, there should be a greater appreciation for what they've accomplished, especially for what stage they are um, in this uh, organization's kind of gradual development. Yeah. And I mean, Kobe talked about it, uh, you know, ad nauseum prior to the start of the season. This was just because we added Donovan Mitchell doesn't mean it was going to be instant title. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. there is a, uh, a run there's levels year. to it, guys. There's levels to it. It's just like, you know, it's, it's not every season isn't championship or bust. That's just not reality guys. Like that, that's just the only thing that I can, I can say now, if they don't get past, you know, say like a first round or something like that, then you, yeah, go ahead. You know, you're, you're going to have to, you know, call into question why they haven't done better and stuff like that. But if they get, you know, I, I feel like the benchmark should be getting to the second round and having a heck of a series. I think that's the benchmark at the moment, um, especially because the teams ahead of them just have more experience. Donovan Mitchell's talked about this ad nauseum. You know, teams like Philly, teams like Boston, who was just in the finals last year. Milwaukee is a a lot of continuity. Yeah, continuity. Exactly. And they've sustained it for a while. Shoot, I think you could even throw Miami in there. I know they're not ahead of the Cavs in the standings, but I think Miami is a hell of a a rough customer themselves. So, you know, that's the point. You got to try and get on par with these guys. And um, you won't until you get to the postseason and, you know, make a name for yourself. That's exactly where I'm at right now. Like I could, I could have cared less for a move at the deadline just because I want to see what this current group of Cavaliers can do. Like you and if you can improve your thing. team, yeah. <laughs> if you can improve your team, by all means, go ahead and do it. But if it's not like a no-brainer, I was perfectly fine standing pat at the deadline. And essentially, that's what they did do. Uh, you already referenced it in a few names. Um, they they did go into the buyout market and they made moves heading in both directions. They brought in Danny Green. They did Kevin Love a solid and allowed him to leave, so they bought him out. Um, In specifically reference to Green, uh, we know that he's a 39.9 career percent uh, three-point shooter from range. At this stage of his career, should there realistically be an expectation levied upon him? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I feel like if your expectation is that he's going to go out there and get you like seven eight threes a game and yeah you probably want to take that down a bit um he's obviously you know not gonna be a starter um he's going to give you a punch off the bench if i had to guess he's gonna play somewhere around 15 to 20 minutes uh the way that you know any veteran coming off the bench would similar to what kevin love was doing honestly (laughs) um but he's gonna be able to move his feet defensively a little bit better He's going to be able to bring the same kind of veteran presence, the championship presence, three-time champ, um, I think is is a big uh, reason you bring him in. Maybe that you know was done purposely because they knew Kevin Love was out the door. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but he's able to knock down shots still, guys. And he's a, you know a good standstill shooter. He's a good movement shooter. Um you know, the, the injury obviously is something that you're going to have to keep an eye on and see how he mm-hmm. responds to it. Uh, but it looked like he was getting up and down the floor okay in Philly to me. Um, 
he's you know that you got the size of a wing that that you've been trying to you know kind of get into this building for a while now uh you know somewhere around six 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 seven um a little bit of length uh the last, you know, memory that, that people have of Danny Green in, in Philly, too. I mean, you think about, you know, a couple of years ago and they're in the playoffs and he's having a big game. I think it was against Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he's still got those moments in him, especially when it comes time for the playoffs. So maybe you see him come in and have, you know, if you guys remember Channing Fry having a huge playoff game against those same Hawks that I was talking about. You know, maybe he has... Uh, a game like, you know, Corver or, you know, whoever it may be, one of the veterans in the past that has made a difference, um, even in just one game. Um, that I feel like you can expect that from Danny Green. Uh, it's going to be kind of getting used to the guys where, where they like the ball, where he likes the ball. I, I, you know, there's just those little nuances and in, in kind of chemistry that you have to iron out a little bit, but personality wise i don't think there's a better move i mean you could go out and get someone again who's a three-time champ who's been around the block 14 years got drafted here he's consummate professional and he's an extremely smart guy he's on espn doing analysts (laughs) analysis the other day like he's got his own podcast um basketball iq is through the roof went to a storied program in north carolina i mean i i feel like that was a no-brainer now, I didn't see the next move coming, but, <laughs> you know, I feel like Danny coming in as, you know, the wing that they've kind of been looking for um, in certain pinch situations. Sure. Do you think that if you had to select one Cavalier that's in the rotation at the moment and uh, sacrifice their minutes for it? I know we talked about this a little bit. Um Obviously, the starters, you can chop some of the minutes away from them, especially the guards. Um, you would love to see Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland come down from that 38-minute uh, uh, mark and get them lower to maybe like the 30, 33, 34. That's one way to accomplish it. But if I'm just looking at this with the way that JB has done things all season, somebody's going to get pulled, I think. Um, and if I had to guess, I would think that would be Jetty. Uh, yeah. That's just me. Um, I think with Kevin departing, a guy who we'll talk about here in a minute, I think they're going to elect to keep Dean in the rotation just purely based on the size uh, that he can bring to the table, not having proven depth uh, at that four and five spot off the bench. I think you're going to keep Dean there. So that to me only leaves uh, Jetty. I think you're not taking Karras. I think he's safe. You're obviously not removing Ricky. We know what he has been able to do for this second unit. Um, do you believe that Jetty Osman will be that guy? Uh, I tend to agree with you on this one. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's kind of, you know, crappy for Jetty because he's been such a spark <laughs> off the bench. Uh, you know, I think he's still among the top in the league in plus minus or something like that. Um, he's a, a hell of an energy at home, uh, that, that everybody just kind of gravitates towards, um, his teammates love him all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to be the, the one to, to lose out on this because, you know, you just look at position wise, you look at, you know, uh, of the, the pedigree, uh, the difference uh, of experience. Um, I, you know, it just kind of sucks that that might be the case, you know, maybe, you know, Dean doesn't have a good night and JV tries Jetty at the four, which we all know Jetty hates, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that there could be a situation like that, but 
Um, you know, I think that, yeah, your, your, your main rotation go through the list, DG, Donovan, Isaac, Evan, J.A., Karis, Ricky, um, Danny now, I would say, and Dean. Those, those would be the guys, I think. And then, you know, if, if there's a matchup with a big, you, you try Robin Lopez out because, you know, he's obviously you know, had his fair share of experience as well. But, yeah, that, I think that's going to end up ultimately being the rotation. And, listen, I mean, we're, we're, well, let's get to, to the Kevin Love part and then we'll discuss, you know, my you know kind of thoughts on on what happened there well as you wish uh the other move <laughs> that cleveland made was honestly to me a little surreal <laughs> i mean after yeah. so long in cleveland you know kevin love came to cleveland as a pretty accomplished 26 year old star ready to win and willing to sacrifice um he toyed away in minnesota for six seasons made three all-star games in the process he joined Kev- uh, he joined lebron james and kyrie irving to form a new big three in cleveland and would honestly wind up being the Chris Bosh of uh, of that big three, a star who was used to being the guy uh, for a franchise would often end up being the third banana to LeBron and Kyrie. But by and large, that did not stop him from showing out. Uh, there was his record-breaking 34-point first quarter against the Portland Trailblazers, a team that he was always linked to in trade rumors, which is hilarious. Uh, there was his game-altering defense. He played on Steph Curry in the uh, NBA Finals, which doesn't get talked about enough, in my opinion, on a couple of those possessions. And then, uh, you know, you follow that up with a runner-up finish in the six-man-of-the-year award race, and then, frankly, a race that uh, I think we all believe Kevin should have won. <laughs> Uh, but after nine seasons here, man, um, all the ups and downs that Kevin Love um, that that we experienced with him, can you are you able to summarize your feelings on his tenure in Cleveland? Would you first would you consider him an all time great here? Because I know some people are, are are a little on edge about that. Well, a lot of people probably are on the edge about that because it's a what have you done for me lately world. Um, but you summed it up perfectly i think they're just talking about the the big stop in that game i think alone <laughs> you know should put him in the you know in the rafters and that, they're planning to do that but kevin you know it's funny i i, I i'm still thinking about maybe writing a column on this we'll see what happens um but i, I feel like it's complicated but it's complicated <laughs> in a way where it's almost like he was your like older sibling or something like that. Like he did a lot of stuff to, you know, make you mad. He would pout sometimes he would have some of these, you know, moments of God, why am I here? Like type things like, but he always loved it. He loved the city. He loved the organization. Um, He was constantly bringing, you know, a, a, a positive energy when he got onto the floor even in times where it was tough. I mean, he's had to deal with injuries, as we know, for so long over his career. You know, the back injury, I think, is the most, you know, debilitating thing that happened to him. Um, but, like, his legacy is that, like, he loved it here. And, and that's really basic, but he did. He, he truly loved it uh, with this organization. He stuck through thick and thin, and thin got real, real thin, like – <laughs> boy yeah. did it yeah i mean you look at some of the you know the the guys that he was playing with in those 2017 18 2018 19 you know um those years that it, it, it got tough it got tough man there were guys on two ways starting there were guys on 10 days starting 
Um, and, you know, he was involved in every trade deadline the entire way of being here. That literally goes from 2014 all the way until 2023. And to outlast that, think, all of that. And, and he outlasted <laughs> all of it. He stayed, he was the last, he was the last guy that you thought would be the longest tenured Cav on a team just because of those rumors. Is he going to the Lakers? Is he going back home to the to the Trailblazers because he's from Lake Oswego? You know, like all of those things would pop up. And yet he still was here, still put the work in. And, you know, I think nothing was was cooler than when he signed his contract in front of all the workers uh, when they gave him the extension, you know, like that part was awesome. Um, he, you know, after being that kind of go-to guy, um, even on the non-big three teams, he had to sacrifice. He had <laughs> to let Colin Sexton do things. He had to let Darius Garland do things. Uh, Kevin Porter, when he was here, like those touches were for them. They were for developing the younger guys. Um, and then, you know, the last couple of years, he, he was a saint, man. He was out there taking charges. He was hitting big shots. Um, you know, in the, in this season, as we know, when his, you know, role started to go down and unfortunately I think the thumb injury was what started all this. And, you know, maybe this doesn't happen if he doesn't mess his thumb up, you know, who knows? Um, but you know, he gets booted from the rotation and, you know, he's a good soldier for most of the time. And then, you know, the report is that he, personally requested to to go somewhere because he feels like there's more in the tank so um you know ultimately again his legacy is that he 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 loved it here um it wasn't something where you know like there's no debate like there's no debate his his jersey has to go in the rafters the entire big three jerseys (laughs) honestly has to go in the rafters in my opinion but um you know kevin he he did a lot and and you know unfortunately i didn't even mention this part uh at first but the 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 work that he did in the mental health community, the work that he did um, locally uh, with all these organizations and to put a spotlight on all those off-court issues, um, you know, those are also, um, you know, a big part of what he accomplished um, as a Cavalier and uh, it should definitely be commended. Man, I couldn't have said it any better myself. Um, 7,663 points, 4,493 rebounds, 1,098 assists. He played 489 games in Cleveland. He made two all-star appearances, helped win a championship. I mean, you absolutely have to retire this guy's jersey. I'm, I'm favorite, glad that favorite Kev, favorite Kev memory in a, in a Cavs jersey. Go ahead. Oh, man, it, it probably does have to be that 34-point first quarter. I mean, I had not seen anything. I mean, we've seen guys put up like a shit ton of points. You remember Clay did it. Uh, I think that was the third quarter, uh, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. But mm-hmm. we've seen and having like almost no dribbles. Yeah, uh, it was like so two that, dribbles. It was, it was not. <laughs> uh, seeing Kevin Love do that uh, against a team, uh, you know, from his hometown, pretty much well, his home state rather, and uh, a team that he was linked to for so long. That was pretty awesome to see. And, you know, there's just countless memories of him kind of just taking everything in stride, like all the comments, like we know how um, I I love LeBron. We all love LeBron, but we know how uh, indirect he can be in regards to some of his criticism. I know we all remember the uh, the the infamous fit in, fit out nonsense that was being spewed at that point in time by LeBron. Um, Kev took that in stride. I mean, he he, he, he just he just accepted all that. And for him, you know, you, you already referenced it. 
having to deal with some of the mental issues, some of the bringing, shedding some light to that. Um, I'm sure that going through all of this experiences for him helped get him through those tough times. Uh, sure. Uh, for him, I'm just always going to remember the fact that, you know, the, the lasting image that I'm going to have for him is accepting that role of being a reserve. I know that that has got to be one of the toughest things to do when you've been a star for so long, when you've been a guy accustomed to getting a specific amount of touches and finally coming to the realization that, hey, this is the th- this is where I'm at in my career. This is where th- this is my age. This is my body. And th- this is how to best get the most from myself and being able to finally come to terms with that and accept that is is instrumental in prolonging your departure from the NBA in my opinion and 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 Kev was able to do that I think in my opinion honestly I think he was able to stave off being traded or bought out simply based on that last season that he had um that or at the very least being removed from the rotation Especially after the 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 Team USA stuff, I, I think yes. that is also you know something that that a lot of people gloss over. How they that just was not a good look. <laughs> ruin them, ruin the public perception of Kevin. And Kevin clearly took that personally and had his best season uh, as a Cavs that that he had you know during those championship years. So you got to give him credit for that. But um, in addition to all that, you know. Uh, goodbye to all the three quarters court passes, you know, goodbye to all the the grandpa Kev jokes, all that <laughs> stuff. But uh, I, I seriously, I wish him uh, real well in South Beach. And I think he'll be a good fit down there. I do, too. And I know, like, I was just conversing with somebody about this the other day. I think, obviously, the time had passed for him in the rotation here. I know the thumb injury definitely played a part in that, um, you know, for better or worse, in in him requesting that buyout feeling like he has more to give. I definitely understand that. You know, he's he's in the twilight of his career. And truth be told, I do feel like he does have something left in the tank. And if anybody can get the the rest out of Kevin Love, it's going to be Eric Spolster down there. They they love guys who can hit that three ball. Um, I don't know how much of a defensive concern uh, or a liability he'll be down there, but I'm sure they'll be able to mask it um, in, in, in some way, some form or fashion. And so I'm I'm hoping the best for him. I really hope that they don't play the Heat, <laughs> uh, you know, in the first round, which is still a possibility. I don't Very know, so. <laughs> but it's Very much so. It's going to be a weird, uh, a weird scene seeing him in in Miami Heat jersey. <laughs> it is. It already is, man. He's got they they already put the picture up with him in the pen, and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> just not something that i literally a decade happening. dude like like where does time go like like nine years i mean i'm calling it a decade but like where does time go man like he's a, i don't he's know a wily man. veteran down there playing in miami now like that's crazy, crazy. That's crazy. yeah 26 when he came to cleveland i mean yeah. that's younger that's that's younger than i am right now and uh you know i just i remember hearing somebody say when i was i was riding uh, um public transportation uh going to college at the time riding a bus hearing somebody say 
LeBron James just resigned to to come back to Cleveland. I'm like, no, he didn't. <laughs> I'm sitting here. I'm 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 cracking up. I'm experiencing all these different emotions just because of the the rebuild that we are going through at that point in time after drafting Kyrie and and Tristan and getting Dion and all these other pieces. Um, and then to hear that he's bringing Kevin Love along with him, um, and and Andrew Wiggins was going right out the door. My emotions were all over the place at the time because Mac, you know, Mac, I, I got to tell you, man, I, <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt, but I had probably one of the worst takes that I've ever had, and, and this is when I started staying away from opinions and stuff on social media, on the radio, whatever. But I had a radio show at Akron, go Zips. Um, <laughs> but I had a radio show at Akron, and I think it's still on YouTube. But I was destroying the idea of Kevin Love coming to Cleveland because I liked Andrew Wiggins so much. And it's one of the funniest rants you'll ever hear. Um, and I actually did, you know, say like, you know, he'd be the Chris Bosch in the pecking order. And eventually, you know, that's actually what happened. Mm-hmm. But um, I was talking about how big, such a big mistake it would be. And, and uh, you know, this would just be a way to cut corners, blah, blah, blah. So it, it's really funny to listen to a, I'll definitely send you that link. <laughs> it's a terrible take uh, looking back, but uh, go ahead and continue. I just had to, had to say that because you were talking about riding the trail. I was like, well, I mean, I was like 20, 21 years old when that happened. So same age. I think I was about the same age. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'll have to check that out for sure. Send that to me. But I think, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and shit on you about that because I think a lot of people had that same perception at the time. And I don't, there's, there was nothing wrong with that line of thought. Andrew Riggins was coming out of Kansas as perceived as like this super high top in talent, being like LeBron James level at the time. Him and Jabari as, Parker, man, that was the argument. Crazy. Exactly. Him, him and Jabari. It's sad to see what happened to Jabari, obviously, yeah. you know, in yeah. his tenure in, in the NBA. But Andrew, keeping him, you just look at the career that he's had. And it took him so long to finally, mm-hmm. you know, grow into the potential that he always had, especially on the defensive end. Um, it took him going to the system that he's in now at Golden State to, to really look like a, a I'm not going to call him generational but to live up to the potential at some capacity that he had being selected number one overall. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that opinion. And, you know, myself, honestly, I had not watched, I'm not going to lie. I will not profess to you that I watched a ton of Minnesota games prior to the acquisition of Kevin Love, but I watched enough to know that he was a pretty good player. Um, And, you know, there's the old adage of guys putting up huge statistics on terrible teams and that seemed to be the case for Kevin Love for a, a you know a little while there in Minnesota but I just had no idea what to expect from him coming over I I knew that we were in for some exciting times but I just didn't know and you know Kevin Love's complicated legacy here is is going to be something that people talk about for a long time but you, you absolutely have to retire the his jersey i think you eventually have to retire Kyrie's, despite his complicated legacy year and we we know it's a no doubt um lebron you know um statue for him here <laughs> when it's all said and done but just a just a very complicated legacy here and but even with that being the case i'm sad to see him go but uh that does open the door for other guys 
um, you know, to, 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 to make a name for themselves here, specifically Dean Wade. I don't, I, I don't know what's going to happen there, but there are going to be some question marks that are going to have to be answered uh, because there are a lot of people that felt that Kev could have helped, um, you know, come postseason time. If his hand was right, his thumb all healed up, but now we'll never know. Um, that ran aside, man. I'm, I'm truly ready for Cavs basketball to come back. Um, this team being where they're at right now, JB coaching them up. Um, and I know you pointed this out earlier on people. I feel like have been way too rough on JB, <laughs> but unfortunately Spencer, I don't think that's going to change. Uh, especially after this green acquisition, they're going to get even, they're going to get even colder on this, uh, on these rotations yep. now. <laughs> Yep. No, it, that's definitely going to happen because I mean, it, you you don't want to experiment in the second half of the season, but you kind of have to because you just got somebody new. And he, he talked about that, and they had another open rush spot, by the way. So we'll see if you they think- go out and get get a free agent. I mean, I don't think they would. Maybe they would convert Mamadi. Convert. I was gonna say convert Mamadi or convert. Um, you know, Isaiah Mobley. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you're playing. You know, some one of those guys trying them out i'm not sure i looked at the you know free agent market it's a lot of guys that have you know had injuries and or are over you know i don't want to say over the hill because i feel like that's disrespectful but like (laughs) just just don't have the same physical abilities as they used to have you got your dwight you got your demarcus cousins types out there 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 are guys all Millsaps available Mm -hmm. tristan thompson's out there he's doing color commentary and stuff now but yeah. You know, like you've got guys like that. Um, you know, Nemanja Bjelica was mm-hmm. one that I, you know, was thinking. You know, if they, if you wanted, you know, somebody who's been around the block a little bit um, as a shooter, like there's some guys out there. Don't get me wrong, there's some guys out there, but I don't, I don't know if they want to continue to to tinker. You know, like I, especially when you're just talking about JB trying to find his rotations <laughs> the right way. Cause you just add more, you add more ingredients to the, to the, uh, the recipe than the, the recipe just gets a little out of hand. Yes. Um, I, I'm very interested to see how this plays out. And my, if I had the, if I was a betting man, I would say that they convert one of the two, two ways that they have. I would honestly love to see, uh, Diakite, um, get an opportunity in some matchup based, um, you know, games down the stretch, being a two-way right now, I, I get the fact that JB is going to try and solidify his rotation for the playoffs. So it's probably going to come down to purely matchup-based dependencies in mm-hmm. regards to either of those two, even if they do get converted. But I would love to see him get an opportunity um, over, honestly, Robin Lopez at this point in time. And I love Rolo. I just I kind of feel like you you need to see what you have in these other two pieces rather sure. than bring somebody else in. Oh, man, so much still to come. For this Cavs team, um, we'll we'll have to reconnect down the stretch run here and see where they're at heading towards a postseason. But thanks for coming on again, man. No problem, Mac. Thanks for having me on, and and let's let's have a good rest of the way. For sure. And again, guys, if you haven't checked out that Karis LeVert article, uh, make sure to check it out. I'll go ahead and drop a link to it in the description. Um, I know you mentioned it earlier on, Spencer, but have anything else in the works? Uh, Dominic, I was going to say, like, uh, I've just been working on this Dominic Barlow uh, article. Uh, he's the first player from overtime elite to uh, have an NBA career. So that's a pretty big uh, milestone for him. He's not exactly a household name yet in the league, but um, 
I think that's a pretty big accomplishment, especially because you have the uh, the Thompson brothers coming into this league next year. Uh, so he's setting, setting the example for them. I'm, I, I talked to Greg Popovich. I talked to Ryan Gomes, his coach, a former you know eight year uh, player in the NBA. So I'm excited to put that one out there and you know just stay tuned to basketballnews.com. I got all sorts of stuff coming. Well said. Like we always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can add It's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to itscavalier53 at gmail.com, and we'll send you an invite. That said, go Cavs. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.